Okay, uh, here we are. Hey, NLCC, welcome to another podcast of After Sunday with me, Corey Alston, your host, and our lead worship pastor, Matthew B. Price. What did I say? Worship pastor. <laughs> okay, should we start that again? No, let's Just leave it. Going. Okay, we're going to... Uh, okay. People are going to love lead it. Lead worship okay. pastor. Yeah, sorry, lead worship pastor. That's right. Well, in a sense, there's that actually, you know... You haven't asked me to lead worship. I haven't, that's true. <laughs> okay, I haven't asked you to lead worship. Uh, Matthew, how are you doing? Good. It's been a long time since we've done this, actually, yes. right? Yeah. It was like... It must be a month or so, uh, maybe even, because I think Easter happened and then it was it just everything gets kind of busy and uh, crazy. But yeah, it's good to uh, it's good to do this. We've seen each other lots, but we haven't done this yeah. uh, this podcast. I've missed it, but maybe people haven't missed it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. It's like one of those like, <laughs> have you missed it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I have. I've been thinking about this and I'm actually really excited about the, um, we're doing like a, we don't usually do this, but we're doing something that's kind of outside of the... Uh, you know, the Sunday kind of topics that we've been on as far as the sermon goes, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're we're chatting about deconstruction today. And uh, somebody had asked uh, me to talk about it, and it allowed me to kind of think a little bit about deconstruction. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, but we'll get into that in a second. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey. Social pleasantries. Yes, right. Nice you sense. were telling me about a rat earlier. Oh, talk yes. to me about the rat. Okay, the rat. Well, it's not even. It's so. It's just here's the, here's what happened. So, and this has happened before. Maybe other people can identify with this. Just the other day, I was, I, we were going to barbecue some 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 meat, and um, so I opened up our. Bar- we have a natural gas barbecue, which is so convenient. Okay, just so you know, this is already disgusting. <laughs> I know. Actually, rat yeah, barbecue. Barbe- I know okay. exactly. Where's so, this going? Yeah, exactly. It tastes like chicken. No. So I was. Um, so I opened the barbecue and I have like, so we're, I'm starting, you know, and you push the little clicker, like the little igniter and then you, so I, that happened and also like, whew, you know, the flames go on and right away I hear this like, and, and this, this oh. rat was in the barbecue and like, <laughs> drops to the floor and runs down the stairs and underneath the porch. <laughs> oh, so gross. No. So then like. Did you burn the rat? So, well, I think I'm guessing he got a little, he got, he must've had a little, he was fine. He obviously, he could run like crazy. So he was oh. really going. Okay, first of all, imagine this poor little rat taking a nap. Yeah, yeah. In a nice dark little place. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and having now, flames and permanently like, scarred like physically now, probably like a burn somewhere, right? So here's the other oh. thing though. So so here's my so Sherry wasn't around at the time. Okay. So it's this is information that I chose to keep to myself until right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. <laughs> okay. So what happened was then yesterday No, 2 days ago, Sunday, I was barbecuing again. Oh no. Yeah. Same By the way, day. did you clean your barbecue after the rat? You know what? No, because here's the thing. What? You're okay. Your 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 barbecue is like at 500 degrees Fahrenheit. You don't need to clean the barbecue. Oh, it's like, dude. No, and it was underneath. What if you have was, like rat hair in your? It's it's all steak. burnt up. It's all burnt up, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so so yes. So the other day I I barbecued and then same. I totally forgotten about it. Same thing. And this time Sherry was around, so she, yeah, she heard. And and our dogs the rat were too. went back into so, the barbecue. So, a rat did. I don't know if it was the same. So suddenly I, I lit it up and like, whew, and also same thing, just like, and this rat just runs down. And then of course, Billy and Sully, our two dogs are like, and they're like running after this rat. And Sherry was like, what was that? And I'm like, that was a rat. She's like, what? And Sherry like hates oh. rats. So yeah. So anyways, now I set a trap in the barbecue. <laughs> in the, the barbecue? The, well, I don't know. It's good. That's where it goes. So I'm going to, yeah, I will, <sighs> I will get this rat. And Anyways, uh, man, being a rat is rough. Eh? It's a rough life. I think it's it really is. It's seriously, <laughs> although not if you live in India, in certain parts, because like in India, you know, I think rats are considered like there's like a sacred element to them or something. I remember when oh. we were there, I saw lots of rats. It was pretty gross, actually. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, do you know what? 
Same with like you know cows. Like there's like there's right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, um, they yeah. don't kill rats, so there's a lot of them. Whoa, pretty nasty. Yeah. How about you, Matthew? How are you doing? How's the family? I'm a little in shock <laughs> with your rat story. They're around, I just man. don't think I'm going to be able to offer anything interesting after that. <laughs> it's like, I cannot. I'm literally. Come over I for think, barbecue. <laughs> I bet you for the rest of my life when I barbecue, You're I'm going to think, think of that, that story. Have I told you? And we won't do this now, but I've told you about Jeff Renault's story about the rat. You must have heard I this story. I know that story. Denver Low Coriolis. Yeah, we yes. took on Jeff's rat and we won, but it was intense. Yeah. What's the deal with Willoughby and rats? I think, yeah, I think it must be this time of year too. Things are getting warmer. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Anyways. Okay. Did we just waste? Yeah, we wasted like, like seven four, minutes. Of, no, no, no. It's only okay. four and a half. Yeah, okay. We're, we're okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So are we just skipping over? <laughs> your, your family's doing well? It's all good. Okay. We're, we're good. We're good. I mean, the kids are, they get to run around outside. It's been lots of fun. Oh, weather's just, been so nice. Yeah. Playing. Yeah. I feel like my kids are at such a great age right now because yes. we're we're starting to do like things that are fun together. Yeah, yeah. So like uh, we go to this little park behind our house and play soccer and mm, frisbee. So and, great. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, the three of them wanted to play a monster game with me. It means mm. I'm the, I'm just trying to I'm a tickle monster. I'm trying to catch them. Yeah, but they, yeah, yeah. But they can make it to the top of the playground without me getting them. Oh. So they're just frightened the whole time, yes, just trying totally to get to the adrenaline going. Yeah. You're yeah. at like total golden age right now, right? Oh. This is the, we talked about this. I remember talking yes. about this early on and be like, yeah. you're going to hit that golden, those golden years and they're the best. Yeah. We are long since past that. <laughs> Just kidding. It's still, it's golden in a different way now. Isaac, but, Max, Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> your father's them, saying you so not much. <laughs> but it's no, yeah. Oh, I love, I remember those exact games with the kids. They just love it so much. Yeah. It's like, you have to be the monster and catch us and tickle us. And yeah, yeah the jungle gym get to the top. Oh, so fun. I love it. Okay. Okay. All right. This might be a long one. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll see how long we chat today, and we might have to release this in two parts. Um, but deconstruction. So, uh, you know, people might be in different places in terms of knowing what that is. Uh, but totally. there has been a recent, uh, a lot, lots of talk recently about this this word deconstruction. And yep. so, um, when it I comes to faith, yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of a simple definition is just deconstruction is, is a process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs that you grew up with. Sometimes a Christian will deconstruct all the way to atheism, but some will remain there, uh, but others experience a reconstruction. But the type of faith that they end up embracing almost never resembles the, Christian, the Christianity they formerly knew. So this is just maybe uh, maybe this is you as you're listening and and you're interested in this podcast because deconstruction is something that's happening in your life. You're mm-hmm. beginning to question some some things about about faith and um, you've got some some unanswered questions and you're starting to wonder if any of it is real anymore and if or if your faith really can hold up yeah. in a modern world. Um, and so so a topic uh, that that people that we all struggle with or that we might be thinking about are things like political allegiance, uh, human sexuality, race and social justice, you know, wondering if, if the Christianity you grew up with is even aligned with Jesus anymore Mm -hmm. when it comes to social justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, it might be an issue like science, um, and feeling like the science, uh, that you're learning maybe in college or, or you're reading a book or something combats your faith and is tearing it apart. Um, we've done a, we've done a podcast before Corey on, on six day creation, right. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. having to process, okay, I read that the world is created in six days. How does that work with the Bible? Or it might be something like, like hell. Um, you know, I, maybe you're starting to feel that the Jesus that ate with his enemies, like Zacchaeus, 
uh, or forgave people from the cross, how does that, how do I reconcile that with someone who's going to burn the flesh of people for eternity, right? Like, right, 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 how yeah. does that even work? And mm -hmm. whatever the topic is, we, we just seem to come to a place where we just can't believe in it any longer. And, mm. and so the word that has been used is, is deconstruction. And I'll say in a minute, I'm not sure I love that word, but for now, let's just use it. Um, and, and I, and I just have sensed like a pain with deconstruction in people's lives. Like I know it's, it's, uh, it's disorienting, it's confusing. Um, there can be fear there. Uh, there can be the sense of wondering if there's like some shame there from family and friends or feeling quite alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, Corey and I both want to let you know, like if you are listening to this and you're walking through deconstruction, we care about you. And we, we just really do hope that this podcast can be a place to, to talk and actually not on the podcast. I know that both Corey and myself and others on our team here at North Langley would love to process some of the <clears throat> deep, deep thoughts that someone mm -hmm. might be having. So totally. Yeah, that's right. I think it's uh, like, I think one of the things that I really value about North Langley Community Church, and I think, I, I think this is objectively true, is that I feel as though there is, there really is a real flexibility here. And I think there's a lot of, like, man, I have, I have so many conversations with friends about, you know, like, and, and sometimes they're, they're just fun to be like, yeah, what do you think? Like, what do you think God's up to with that? Like, or how does that work? Like, I don't get, you know, and it's just kind of fun to dive into it. But then, like you say, there's others that are like a lot more painful for people where it's like, I just don't know if I can believe this anymore. And yeah. um, what I've appreciated about, I think about, about you and about the people that I work with is that there's not a lot of, um, there's like, we, we don't do a lot of clinging really, really tightly to things where it's like, you can't, don't ever ask that question, you know? Right. And I think, unfortunately, there's, there probably are a lot of faith environments that are more geared that way. I, I love the fact that we're, I don't think that we are that way. I think that we're actually quite open to, to dialoguing with questions and to wrestling with it. So yeah, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I, <clears throat> you know, Corey and I were chatting earlier a little bit about some of these names, but we, you know, we've noticed some deconstruction happening amongst some popular leaders in Christianity. And, mm -hmm. um, a few names that come to mind are, uh, like Joshua Harris, who some of you know him from, he's the author of I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And he now lives in Vancouver here. He came oh, to Regent college and okay. yeah, but, uh, but yeah, like I know that he's had a journey where he's kind of walked away from faith. Um, famous worship leaders like Audrey Assad, um, has made it recently kind of public that she's kind of walked away from faith, uh, I, a big one for me was Derek Webb. Yeah, yeah, right. He was formerly of Cademan's Call, right? Cademan's Call, yeah. And yeah. He was his own. He is his own kind of artist and yeah, songwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got married to. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, what's her name? I can't remember her name now. <laughs> ah, shoot! I was just. She's thinking, so good. We did a song for his Light of the World. Uh, oh, Mc. McCracken, Sandra McCracken. Sandra McCracken. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They right. were married, and they they have since divorced. I think he. Yeah. I think unfortunately he was unfaithful to her. I think, and it yeah, it was unfor really nasty and kind of public, right? Breakup, which is too bad. But yeah, Derek Webb, yeah. But I heard a I heard him on another podcast just talking about walking away from faith, and it's just so sad, you know, mm -hmm. to to hear that journey. I loved his music, and he felt like he was always really raw and honest, like mm -hmm. in his music, like with Cademan's Call like they would have a couple different songwriters and he was the one that I really loved. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, like his honest, his honest way of seeing the world. But then even today, today I came to work and, and Tim McCarthy told me that the New York times had a whole article on, uh, Abraham Piper, who's John Piper's son. Right. Yeah. And so I was just reading about it this morning and just seeing his journey away from faith and, mm -hmm. Um, and he's become quite popular on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's has got like, like a million followers. Almost or something, a million or, followers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So I, I just feel like there's lots of, um, lots of examples of this and it feels like it's, you know, maybe it's just that we're, maybe there was always this many people kind of walking away from faith. Yeah. Um, but it feels like maybe social media makes it more, more present or something or yeah, more, for sure. More in our face. Hey, like it's, and for me, a big one, obviously, and maybe for many of us, a, a number of years ago was Michael Gunger who, and we still sing his, a couple of his songs once in a while. Cause right. it's like, they're great songs, but he, yeah, he, I don't even know where he, he just kind of keeps, I, I feel like he keeps reinventing himself a little bit. Like he, he changes kind of what he's, what he believes now and stuff, but he's, I think he has basically walked away from Christianity. And, and it's funny cause I feel like, um, like, some, like sometimes when I hear this, I, I it's almost like you want to affirm, like I, I want to affirm some of the things that you're walking away from. You know what I mean? Like it's almost sure. like, so like on Michael Gunger, I know that some of the stories that he would tell about his upbringing and, and sort of super ultra conservative environment, you know, and things that he was taught and stuff, you know, and like a lot of those things I'd be like, well, yeah, that sounds kind of weird. And like, it sounds like something you should walk away from. But but then it it's, it feels like it becomes the oft, unfortunately sometimes the baby with the bathwater right where you're totally and it's like last thing I was I, I feel like I had a conversation recently with someone where I was it's like it's almost like I, and I was like I I can agree with you on the problem like I, I agree yes. with you on the problem yeah. it's the, it's your solution that I don't agree with you know it's like right. like I'm like uh, there's got to be a better answer to the problem like the problem I agree because you're right there is a problem here. Um, right. But I don't think the answer is to completely throw the whole thing out. Right. You know what I mean? And that yeah. was that's what seems like, unfortunately, and it feels like such a lousy story. That's the thing I hate. Like, I'm always like, how could you ever abandon? I don't know. The Christian story is just so epic and, like, gritty and I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just like, and to suddenly be like, yeah, I don't think there's anything. It's like, oh, how could you do that? I had a writer friend who who walked away, and I always, I was always like disappointed in that because I'm like you're such a creative person. How could you? Yeah. Like it's it's just such a poor story if it's all just like ah who knows you know. Right. I was like ah oh, but what about what about this idea of a God who creates a world and there's brokenness and it's just like it's like the best movie you've ever seen almost you know. Totally. Anyways, yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Well yeah, I mean you're <clears throat> nailing exactly where we're gonna go today. Like mm. in this podcast is to is to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I think we're going to find a few more encouraging metaphors than babies in bathwater. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like, where's the baby? I don't know. I just, I emptied the bath and I haven't seen her since. It's oh like, <laughs> so, okay. Do we need to erase that? Oh. No, I don't. Not literal. Oh. Oh, shoot. That was not. I feel like your rat story and yeah. this baby in <laughs> the bathwater thing. Dark turn. It's yeah. been too long. Yeah, this is the problem. Okay, no more. Um, it it was actually this morning I was reading in the New York times, this, this article on Abraham Piper and, and the New York times wrote this, uh, about the difference between people kind of walking away from faith, maybe 15 years ago Mm, or so there was this new atheist movement like Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris. And, um, and that it was, it was almost this intellectual, uh, you know, war or battle, you know? Mm. And so somebody would read a book and then they turn away from faith. Whereas they distinguish it between, between then and now. And that right now there's lots of personal stories of people going, um, Hey, I'm walking away for really personal reasons. They might not be as intellectual as 15 years ago. I'm, I'm not trying to, um, say there's no intellectual reasons right now, but they wrote this. They said, uh, this is the New York Times, quote, if the new atheist movement in the early 2000s devoted itself to intellectual combat with the claims of Christianity, the more recent ex-evangelical movement elevates personal stories of people who've walked away. 
So I think there's just this highlighting of like, whoa, I'm actually seeing on Instagram or TikTok or whoever, a whole story of somebody who's, they're, they're airing their story. And it's like, oh, they grew up in that kind of church and they had that experience. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And I think these personal stories are drawing people into deconstruction. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, New York Times opinion here, a little bit more than maybe just a, a, a strict intellectual argument that right. now we're seeing the faces of people, we're hearing their stories mm-hmm. and these are moving us in a way um, that, yeah, so social media does have quite a quite an impact. Oh, totally. It really yeah. does. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, and I think there's got it. That has to. I'm sure that plays a huge role in this because I think probably a lot of these things were happening quietly for people in the past. It's just that you wouldn't have access to it right now. Not very. There's very little that's quiet. Well, maybe that's not fair, but often things aren't quiet because you're right. Especially if you have a platform, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell the whole world, and like literally what the world didn't know 30 seconds ago knows something brand new about you now. You know. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, I wanted to share one of my my own stories of, of deconstruction, um, <clears throat> with a friend of mine. And, uh, and, uh, I won't mention his name. Uh, I, I, I do love him. <laughs> and, uh, but he was a friend in college. And so we went to Trinity together and, uh, spent, uh, four years studying together. Actually, we started off in a program together, um, a discipleship program. And so we got to like hang out in the, on the weekends here in BC, like, um, it was the reason I came to Canada was to be part of this program called Trek. And mm. so we'd study the Bible Monday to Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes we would be out in creation. So we'd go sailing or we'd go camping or we'd go hiking mm. or so rock climbing or whatever it was. And <clears throat> just met some amazing people uh, in the program. But he was kind of my one of my best friends coming out of that program. Um, I had several best friends come out of the program, but he was one of them. And then we w- were a part of the same program at Trinity. Hmm. So we did three years at Trinity together. And throughout those three years, I would now look back and say he was slowly deconstructing his faith. And so I had like a front row seat. Like I was the person he was talking about all these with the stuff about, you know, mm-hmm. like he was, he was interacting with me and we would sit through the same classes and we would come out and, and just process it all together. And, and at the end of the day, his face, his faith was, uh, demolished kind of. Mm-hmm. And, um, and mine went through a, a process and I'll say more about that a little bit later, um, in a number of minutes, but, but it, it felt like a total demolition of his face. And I, I, it was sad. Like I was just deeply saddened mm-hmm. by it. Like this was like my best friend who was walking away from Jesus. And, um, so I think I, I just have him in my mind. So just as we go throughout this podcast, I think I have my friend like at the forefront of my mind and yeah. I don't know, do you have like a story like that or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, I would say like, I don't have necessarily like yours sounds kind of dramatic cause he's like really, really close to you. And that's, that could be deeply unsettling too. Right. I think for you to be like, cause I think it, I would imagine be like, oh shoot. Like, so am I, am I off target here? You know, to still believe or to still be. Um, yeah, no, I had, I had a good, I have had a good friend who has, who has walked away from faith and, um, very, very intelligent and create, like I told you, he's a writer, very intelligent, creative person. Um, I hope he doesn't listen to this (laughs) or he might, it's okay if he does probably, but 
I love him. He's, he's amazing. We're still, we still keep in touch once in a while, but, but yeah, I just, I, I, that did shake me up too. I think partly because it's when like someone who I really respect, mm. um, and who is very, a very competent, it's one thing if it's like, you know, if you don't have as much respect for someone, you know, and you're like, well, like, yeah, okay, you've, you've got weird ideas. And whereas this person was someone who I'm like, no, you're like, you're amazing. Like you're this gifted, gifted writer and you're, and you're so smart and you do your homework. So then you're like, oh, wow. Am I like, am I off base? You're like, yeah, what, what am I thinking? And I think it did probably push me into, or maybe I, you know what, I had probably already, st- I had gone through a bit of my own phase too, where I was, mm-hmm. I did have to, whatever, if you want to call it, deconstruct and reconstruct things and, and re- definitely wrestle with, yeah, things that I had grown up just, as, you know, taking for granted and then suddenly being pushed on those things and having to kind of wrestle with it myself and be like, wait, what do I believe about that? And yeah, why do I say those things? Do I actually think that to be true? And so, yeah, I have definitely experienced, and even now there's definitely people that I'm not as close with that I'll, I'll take notice of that are like, ah, I think this person is, is basically saying goodbye to, to Christianity for now, wow. you know, for now. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we just want to, as we dive into some of this stuff, like just want to highlight the fact that we know this is real. This is real life. This affects real people. And I was thinking a little bit about the second seed in Jesus parable of the seeds. Jesus tells a story about these four seeds that one falls on, on this kind of, uh, uh, on this hard ground and these birds come and pick it up and a- another one falls on rocky ground. Um, and then one falls on, uh, on good soil, but there's like these vines that choke it or these, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, other plants that choke it. And then the final seed lands on good soil and it grows to be this healthy garden. Mm-hmm. And it made me think a little bit of, uh, what, what I, the process of deconstruction uh, seems like the second seed. And Jesus Jesus says this. This is from Matthew 13. Jesus writes, quote, uh, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Um, word or world? Because of, when trouble persecution comes because of the word. Okay. So like they're they're standing up for the word of God. They're okay, I, I was in my head. I, I thought it was world. So in other words, like the world is is persecuting them and giving them. So okay, I got you. Yeah. Have you read the story before? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bible. It's called the. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're such a jerk. I've told you the story, but I actually thought it was the world. Yeah. Okay. Now I want um, to look it up. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. I think this is just someone who's like, hey, I'm trying to live for the truth, and and they get persecuted, and then Jesus is saying they get kind of scared away. From right, the, from the right, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. isn't deconstruction, but I, I think I was zoning in on the have no root, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think I'll, I'll go ahead and show my cards here at the outset. But yeah. I think that we as pastors, I think parents, um, I think uh, professors at schools have a responsibility to recognize that sometimes the roots are not super deep, mm. and how you interact with your students or your children or your parishioners or whoever it is is massively important with how tender you are. Hmm. So I, I, um, this is not like a, this is not like a statement against Trinity Western as a whole at all, Mm -hmm. but like, I would feel like in my journey with my friend in the biblical studies department, I didn't feel like there was a tender tenderness of somebody processing some of these things with my friend, Hmm. um, that I feel like there was a lot of big questions that were asked of faith and, I didn't feel I didn't feel like there was like this nurturing of of kind of going. We have a bunch of eighteen, nineteen, and twenty year olds here with us mm-hmm. <laughs> in their first couple of years of school, and like these these many of these have 
have uh, young roots, you know, like the roots aren't super deep yet. And yeah. we have a responsibility as a biblical studies department or a theology department or whatever to actually say, how are we asking questions and engaging students in a way that nurtures faith rather than just like goes, hey, I'm just going to lob some bombs out there. And like, mm. if you can survive this program, that's great. So that's my bias. I'm already yeah, yeah, letting yeah, my yeah, bias yeah, totally. <laughs> out a little bit. But I think this second seed in the parable of the seeds reminds us that we need to just really be 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 careful with knowing how we're bringing students up in the faith yeah. and, and making sure that we have nurturing places for faith. Mm-hmm. I don't mean safe places. I'm right, not necessarily right, yeah, arguing yeah. for like, you know, quote unquote, safe spaces, yeah, like yeah. colleges or something right. like that. I'm saying nurturing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's you know it's so totally and I and it's funny because I have three kids now at Trinity. Speaking of which, could I borrow a hundred thousand dollars? Just joking. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like it's. Um, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Just joking. Like it's it's kind of it's what's interesting for me is that, like I feel as though um, uh, it, it's it's almost like polarized extremes, right? So I, like I know for like Ruby especially, I've I've been we've had these kinds of conversations. I think I've shared some of this on our podcast, but. She has friends, like dear friends that she's gotten to know this last year that, but, but many of them have really grown up in quite conservative homes. And, yeah. and for Ruby, it's quite a shock. Like she's, you know, she, cause she, she hasn't grown up in that kind of an environment and I'm not, you know, I'm not disparaging anything. Like it's they for the most part, it seems like they're well loved and everything else, you know, whatever, but they're definitely have, they've grown up where to things that are surprising to me where I'm like, man, okay, that, that feels like really kind of old school and, and, and not, I'm surprised that people are still going along that path, right? I'm, I'm deliberately avoiding whatever kind of topic, but then they'll go to Trinity and they'll be hearing, yeah, they'll hear like this other, like you say, much more, um, extreme, or at least what feels like an extreme, uh, you know, idea, let's say, but whether it's about creation, let's say that, you know, creation was, is, is not, we don't live in a young earth. We live in an old earth or that sort of thing. And so there, it's almost like, I wonder how, like, and, and you've been to training, so you know more than I do, but I wonder how much of it is the extremely progressive teaching, let's say, um, versus like the, for whatever reason, like a lot of extremely conservative people that are coming in. And yeah, their roots are probably, a lot of them are just like, well, this is what I grew up, I grew up believing. And, and so I can't even, you know, and a lot of times it's even with the Bible where it's like, well, you can't question the Bible, you know? And it's like, well, no, no, I, th- I think... I think God's big enough for us to be able to wrestle with things, the Bible in question and, you know, and, and wrestle 100%. with it. But, yeah. but I think for a lot of these kids coming are like, no, you do not mess with almost like the Bible's like a magic book or, you know, it's sort of like, it's like a, it's like this book that if you, if you, if you cross it, like you're, you're actually, it's a big, big, big deal. You're in danger of heresy. And, and so then, you know what I mean? It feels like almost like the, a, a perfect storm in a way. Do you know what I mean? I, I think you're, I think you're nailing definitely what I would say is, is a piece of the pie. Hmm. Right. I think I'm more looking at the, the professor, by the way, we have, we know people who are professors. This is not an yeah, attack yeah. on any one professor. Right. Right. And yeah. also Trinity Western has a great student life department that mm-hmm. has great Bible studies. We have friends who do, who are part of that yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's great. And they're trying to nurture faith. Mm-hmm. I'm only talking about like the responsibility of, let's say a parent or a professor in their classroom right. or, or whatever it is to go, to go. I see my responsibility and my responsibility is to nurture uh, people who's because they are coming from homes that you're describing. Yes. Maybe some are just staunchly conservative, legalistic homes. Mm-hmm. And then some homes are like uh, not Christian. Like there's tons of kids at Trinity that aren't coming from Christian homes or, or someone, uh, whatever. People have all kinds of different experiences growing up, but they totally. show up in this classroom 
And I feel like how we, how we teach the Bible and how we mentor young students, I just feel like is so important. I think I really would have wished that, that along with hearing some of the hard questions about faith, there was just this sense of like the love of Christ yes, um, right, going right. like, Hey, I still believe. So just so you know, when you question some of these things, you can still believe. Um, and I, I want to build up that faith. Right. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I hear you. Yep. Totally. Okay. I think that makes sense. I think it's like when you're shaking foundations, which is what it feels like, then you, it's, it's important to have someone that will walk alongside you as opposed to like a one hour lecture. And it's like, boom. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like, what do I do with this? Totally. And they walk away. So maybe even a, yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying for sure. You want to be gentle and careful with people when you're shaking foundations for yes. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Paul felt the pain of losing a friend um, uh, to the world, quote unquote. Second mm. uh, Timothy four, um, Paul says, do your best to come to me quickly. He's writing to Timothy. Mm-hmm. He says, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas. Uh, Demas was his friend and coworker because he loved this world has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Um, mm. By the way, that's loving the world this time. Yeah. <laughs> good. Okay, good. Thanks for the clarity. Yeah, it's, it's important. But, you know, Paul Paul experienced this. Mm-hmm. Like, this this friend of his named Demas uh, loved, loved the world and deserted him, left him, uh, walked away. And and Paul Paul gets... So I feel like whether it's it's a Thomas who doubts, you know, um, uh, in, in the New Testament, Judas who betrays, this mm-hmm. guy Demas who walks away from Paul, um, we have... Uh, characters in the Bible who've experienced this walking away from faith, uh, turning their back on faith. Um, and I, I like Ivan Mesa's uh, words here. Uh, we should be saddened, but we shouldn't be surprised. Um, we really should enter into some sadness about it, but it shouldn't surprise us that like in a world of competing ideologies and thoughts, this is just going to be part of faith. And we, yeah. I think we should embrace it roll up our sleeves, dive into it, love people who are deconstructing um, rather than be afraid of the process and pull away. Totally. Yep, I agree. I think so too. I think, and I think having, again, like I said, I think it's important to have environments where you can, where you can feel safe to ask questions, right? I think maybe that, that feels to me like a, a very important part of all this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it can feel a little bit like, um, mm, I do, I, I'm, I'm sure, I can imagine someone listening to this last little section and being, well, that feels a little, a little condescending actually to say that it's like, so I'm glad to hear Matthew that you're, that you're certain that this has to do with the fact that I have shallow roots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And some of them might be like, actually I've got really deep roots. I like, I've been, you know, like let's say like a, a Derek Webb might push back and say, right. Like actually I've been, I've been immersed in this for 35 years, you know? Yeah. Um, That's and, a good point. Yeah. But I hear what you're saying too, for sure. I think often it makes sense that at least often that would be, that would be the case. And maybe, maybe deep roots looks differently than we than we thought it than we thought it did you know right right like maybe we think well no deep roots means that you know I've gone to church every week and I've been tithing regularly and I I read the bible you know at least 3 times a week and I you know whatever and it's like yeah. well that that can be part of deep roots yeah but it can also actually not it can actually be it can mean very little if you're if you're actually not engaging with yeah with Jesus and with the mm-hmm. yeah no that's very true i i think my Shallow Roots idea was just for children and teenagers, and me as an 18, 19 year old at Trinity. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. This is this happens to anyone totally. um, at any phase. So, believe it or not, everybody, that was the intro. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
And we're only like 30 minutes in, man. We're doing good. <laughs> this is, this really is definitely going to be two parts. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, so yeah. I have four encor- en- encouragements. 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 Four encouragements that I want to share. Um, and here, here, we'll start with number one. Okay. Encouragement number one. Okay, I would change the language. Okay. I don't like deconstruction. Okay. I think okay. it's not helpful. Um, and so I think language is important. And so I'd love to move from deconstruction to talking about renovation. Hmm. I think renovation is a much better word. Um, first of all, deconstruction, I don't actually think it's a thing. Um, like, especially in the building world, uh, you know, any builders who are listening to this can, can correct me. But I think we only have renovation. So if you think about your house, you want to renovate your house. Yeah. Or you want to demolish your house. Right, right, yeah. Right, you're either going to renovate it or demolish it. I don't understand deconstruct it. Hmm. Um, so, like, if you think about a wall, um, you when you're renovating a house, you demolish walls that don't need to be there, right? Tear, tear down some walls, bring in some natural light, but you would never get rid of like a load bearing wall, right? Mm-hmm. That would be right. very unwise for you to do that. Yeah. Yep. And I think like in faith, we demolish like the walls that don't need to be there in the house of faith we grew up in, let's say. Yeah. So yeah. remember house, everyone is a metaphor. <laughs> Just yeah, everyone's true. tracking. Yeah. Like, so the house is like a metaphor and going, Hey, maybe there was like, a bad image somebody had of God the Father, right? right. Yep. Maybe they thought, oh, God the Father's vengeful or he's um, he's a, like like a father with a red face who's who's ready to whip his 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 children with his with his belt, you right, know, or right, something yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, or maybe they have a view of God like a Santa Claus, mm-hmm. um, you know, naughty or nice type of stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. and gives good gifts to people who are good and. Um, or he's really far away. You know, mm-hmm. God the Father is really distant and he's not really involved in my life. So all of those are like really bad views of yeah. God the Father. And so those are like walls in your house that you take a sledgehammer to mm-hmm. and you take them out. Right. And then you renovate and it actually allows more light mm-hmm. and it allows more openness and more more fresh air to flow through the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's actually really good and it's part of renovation. Yeah. But let's say you have a view of God the Father, um, which is um, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? The kind Father, the Father who looks at Jesus and says, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Or he's the Father who's the Father and the prodigal son, who mm-hmm. opens up his arms to prodigals, who run home. And, um, you know, well, if you take a sledgehammer to that, I would call that a load-bearing wall. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and take a, you're saying take a sledgehammer to that having idea. a father, or to even having yeah, a, a father, yeah, or like a heavenly father, right? Because you're, because you, sorry, yeah. Go ahead. I just, I want, I want to clarify because it sounds like you're saying like if they, yeah, you keep going. This is good. Well, it could look numerous ways. Like maybe somebody says, I don't just like the patriarchal language of a father, right? And it's like, right, well, actually, right. like listen to the scriptures, like this, like look how he's actually described. Um, he's you know, slow to anger, filled with compassion, abounding in love. He's, he's the, he's the image of the prodigal. He's, you know, just look at, look at the father in the scriptures and see, see the love of the father. Right. Um, and so maybe it could be more doctrinally. I don't believe that there is God, the father. So I'm turning to atheism right, or it right. could be like a view of a patriarchal father or whatever it is. I don't know. But you're, what I'm saying is you're playing with a load bearing wall. Gotcha. You're messing right. with a, a core. And so actually maybe, uh, renovation is going, let's leave that there. Right. Like, right, let yeah. me go. Oh, actually, Oh, actually that's needed for the health of the whole house. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. not touch that one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
let's actually recognize its importance. First of all, Ooh, that's important. Yeah. And maybe if I don't like it, I need to learn something about the house that I'm living in. Um, right. if I don't like that load bearing wall anyway. So I think, uh, let me just stop there. Uh, yeah. I, what I do think... you, am I confused? Is it more confusing? No, no, that's good. Okay. I like. I really like the idea of keeping the load bearing walls, like keeping the, the kind of the pillars in place kind of thing, or else the whole thing's going to come down. Um, I think the question, the to me, the obvious question is who who then decides what are the low load bearing walls like? Like, how do we know what the low? So maybe there, there's obvious. I would say there's probably obvious examples like you know Jesus. Let's say the Trinity. Let's say you know um, uh, you know the forgiveness of sins at the cross. You know, but but how do we? How would you answer someone who says, okay, well, tell me what are, what are those pillars? How how do I know what those pillars are? That's a good. Okay, so I I will not give you a satisfactory answer, but. Let me try a sure. couple things. Yeah, yeah. So in my own life, I would look to to the creeds. Mm-hmm. I would look to the to the way most tribes of Christianity have come to understand um, what is orthodoxy, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so and so you can look at the divinity of Christ and the resurrection of Christ mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the 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 Trinity. Um, you know, Jesus being fully God. So divinity with Christ is him being fully God, fully man. We call it right. the hypostatic union. Yeah. So most Orthodox Christian traditions would, would say that would start to include like in the creeds, like what, what it is that has always been maybe load bearing walls. Um, tricky areas are more the, the ethical moral teachings, right. Mm-hmm. And saying mm-hmm. like, okay, we'd all agree on murder, but would we all agree on same sex marriage? Right. So this is, right. right this right. is a yeah. currently ongoing, you know, so I'm, so I do have an opinion, as we all know, yeah, through yeah. the love series. I mm-hmm. uh, do have a teaching. I think it's right. I think mm-hmm. that's that is orthodoxy, but obviously that's a debate. I so one way to go is to go like the creeds, Christianity, orthodoxy. How have we always understood some of these core doctrines? So, um, so some of the things that are not there necessarily are the details of es- eschatology, like the end times. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, who's Gog and who's Magog? <laughs> right, you know, yeah, right, right, where's yeah. the battle totally. again, or whatever, right? Like these are mm-hmm. not essential things or whatever. Uh, anyway, um, but I think another way to go is to also see how the removal of some of the things have actually led to demolishing of faith. Like we have enough of Christian history to say those who have removed certain load-bearing walls, quote mm-hmm. unquote, in there, it hasn't led to to good things. So. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like I would say a load bearing wall in, in the Christian tradition is the Imago Dei, right? The image of God. Yes. Anytime someone's tampered with that, it has not gone well. Hmm. Right. Right. Because then you start to believe that other humans are less human than, or, you know, subhuman than you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right. America has a very terrible history. Right. With that. For sure. Yeah. So you were messing with a load bearing wall. Hmm. Don't do that. Right. Right. So like, you know, so I'm saying like, maybe you can look back in history and say, actually, don't touch those. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That one that, you know, that one deserves to stay where it's at. And we know this from experience is that when you mess with that one, it messes with with other things. So that's just one example of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe historically. I really like that. I think I liked actually you and I had a conversation in a different context recently about. Uh, well, actually, I think it maybe was it was in regards to you know um, just like Ruby and and her and just and her facing a lot of questions that she wasn't used to facing from her more conservative friends and stuff and and we were chatting about it and I really liked what you said as far as like how like 
how do you know because we we I think we would most of us would acknowledge that we we do need guides in this like we need we need help we need people that that understand you know that have dedicated their life to to um, to researching and exploring the scriptures and cultures and languages and all history all those things that that scholars you know are are that's what their life's about you know and but I, I appreciated what you said about like saying in your opinion you were saying like I think it's important to find some to find let's say writers or thinkers in terms of when we're looking for a guide who will have one foot in the world of orthodoxy, one foot in this world that you're talking yes. about, the load-bearing walls where they are like, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to these load-bearing walls. I'm committed to these big rock yes. things, themes. Yes. Um, and then the other foot in the world of um, of academia and actually of yes. of like researching and discovering and doing the homework, the hard, the hard work of... Yeah, about like understanding ancient cultures and languages and, and the, you know, so if you have, if you can find, if you can find people that are doing both of those things well, yeah, that's a, that's a great start. 100%. Uh, and I feel like that's actually, for me, that's a great, I've kind of, I've thought about that a lot over the last few weeks because it was only a month ago or so we talked about that. I'm like, that actually is a really, that's a great, helpful grid, I think, for all of us to be like, yeah, I, I, I like that. Because then you're not, and if you only have one or the other, yeah. Uh, I think it's not great. No. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, because then you're off balance. You're you're leaning yeah. too far into the academy and getting rid of orthodoxy. Yeah, yeah. Or you're just kind of parked in your orthodoxy and un, and afraid of asking Right, right, asking questions. questions yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's good. Um, so just still on this number, this first encouragement <laughs> of mm. changing the language, I just want to say, if we're, if we're serious about renovation, right, renovating... Um, I, I found this so interesting, this, this, these diseases. So Tim Keller talks about, I don't actually know how you say the word. I think it's iatrogenic or, <laughs> or I, uh, etrogenic or anyway, I think they're iatrogenic diseases. Okay. Tim Keller says, this is a thing. These are diseases that you pick up in the hospital. <clears> hmm. <throat> so like, like, uh, and, and, and an author named AJ Swoboda, he, he wrote a book called After Doubt. Um, how to question your faith without losing it. And he talks about, he references these as well. Hmm. Um, uh, iatrogenic diseases. So you go to the hospital to get healed and you pick up a sickness. Hmm. And this is an image of Christianity. Sometimes you're going to your church and you were handed an, imp- a messed up way of viewing the faith. Right. Yep. Yep. So you got sick at church, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. like yes. somebody implanted a very bad way of viewing the Bible or a very bad way of viewing God yep. when you were at church. Right. So for a lot of us who grew up in the church, this idea of renovation, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. We have to do this because we've picked up some very imperfect ways of viewing God. Um, and this, and it needs, and some walls need to get taken down and my heart and my mind need to be renovated. Uh, and so I think, I think we need to like champ. I think we need to celebrate this renovation um, right. that yep. needs to happen. Um, there are three phases that a lot of people talk about. They talk about construction, deconstruction, and reconstruction. Um, mm-hmm. And so other, you know, other people have three other words for it. There's numerous. I was telling you, Corey, about this earlier that people have these three phases, right? But to me, I've never found this helpful because it feels too clean. It's, it's, it's too clean. It's like saying like, I'm in construction or I'm in deconstruction mode, or now I'm in reconstruction mode. I just don't think, I don't think that's 
that's very honest about how messy life is. Hmm. I think life is an ongoing renovation. It's just, you're always in it and hmm. it's kind of messy. So, so I don't find the three part process very helpful. Hmm. Um, in my own house, I think renovations are necessary and messy all the time, right? Like I literally just this last weekend painted the back deck railings of mm. our house. Right. So I needed to paint them. And last night, Tanya and I ordered new curtains for right. our, you know, our living room. And I'm looking at the carpet and we need new carpet. And so sometimes you go, hey, I got to wait. I got to save money for that. I got to spend some time investing in that. I got to think through that one a little bit more. Sometimes you do do a like really big work of renovation and it feels like you almost can't live in the house because so much is going on. I get that. But I, I feel like it's ongoing. It's messy. It's not linear. So my worry is for people that say, oh, I'm in deconstruction, quote unquote, hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm in this deconstruction mode. Well, really? Because actually I think call it renovation because when you're deconstructing, you're renovating like. If you only see yourself, I think my fear is if you only see yourself in deconstruction mode, mm-hmm. you you kind of wear that as a label and you're into kind of just swinging your hammer around and right. just knocking right, right. stuff over. And I'm like, settle down. Hmm. Like if you're just start, if you just start swinging at stuff, you're going to hit stuff. And some of the things you're going to hit are load bearing walls. And there are things that actually need to be there. And so like if you see it more as renovation, then you're just going to slowly work through things and beautify the place and make a good investment. I don't know. Maybe I'm making too much of this. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I see it in your face. (laughs) I see it in your face. Matthew, we need to let people be entitled to their experience. (laughs) I knew you'd like that. I, 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 but I actually do believe that too. I think I agree with, I hear what you're saying and I I actually do get it. And I understand, I think you're right that life is messier than, than, than the labels that we use. And then, you know, and then like nice, neat grids or, you know, like late, like we're saying, you know, uh, the idea of uh, what what do we say construction reconstruction and no restruction construction <laughs> construction deconstruction. Uh, deconstruction and then reconstruction right yeah. like but I also think like I, I do think that some people are like a lot of times it, it they're coming by it honestly and so they're just saying look I just I feel like I it's almost like I had a house of cards and for whatever reason one of those cards let's say has gotten pulled out and everything feels like it's coming down and and it's not like I'm deliberately like, I guess what I feel like what you're saying almost like is like this intentional, it's like I'm, I'm intentionally doing this. I think a lot of people would say I, I had no intention of doing this and it mm. feels like it's being done to me. And so, right, so right. I'm like, I, I'm experiencing like a, a card got taken out that actually for me was a huge deal. And, and, and maybe we would look in and say, well, it shouldn't have been such a huge deal, but whatever, you know, again, it is what it is. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think some people are like, I'm in, I'm not saying, and I get what you're saying about. I'm in a season of deconstruction. I can, I know how that could be lame and kind of be like, okay, well, how about, what are you doing about that? Are you, you know, are you actually trying to find some healing at all? Or are you just, I guess what I'm, I may be advocating for, for those people. And I've, and I've met people like this that, that feel like they're just like, everything is coming around me. I didn't know. I, like, I, I thought that I understood everything and I don't, and it's bewildering and it's making me question everything, you know? And so I guess I feel like we gotta, we gotta let people, it's just the same idea, you know, letting people grieve. It's almost like yeah. you, you want to let, and again, ideally, you have someone walking beside you through all this, right? You have someone like an older brother, an older sister, or a more experienced brother and sister who's saying, hey, I've been there. Let's let's do this together. Let's let's yeah. meet let's meet weekly and hang out and let's give me your biggest questions. I'll respond. I don't know the answers, but like, let's let's just wrestle with this together, you know? I think that's really good. 
Let me rephrase it then. Let okay. me let me slightly push back and rephrase. Okay. Because I feel like your deck of cards image is really important. I'm th I think that when people are going through deconstruction, that's exactly how they feel. Right. Is a deck of cards fell. Right? Like a house of cards or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House deck of cards. cards. Right. Yeah, pyramid, card pyramid or something. Mm -hmm. Just fell. Because mm -hmm. I removed one card yeah. and everything collapsed. It's coming down around me. Yep. What I'm trying to say is that makes sense emotionally, mm -hmm. but I would like to argue, think, change the, change the, change the metaphor. Yeah. I think you're actually in a house and you just brought down, um, a section of the house. Now let's pause and let's figure out if that was catastrophic mm -hmm. <laughs> so that you can't live in the house anymore or if it was like, it was, if it was okay. But I feel like the metaphor of living in a house is better than a deck of cards. Because I think, I'm just saying emotionally, I think you're right. People feel that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if they don't realize that, if they feel that way, then they're like, oh, it's all is lost. You know? Totally. Which is, which is, I think, what Rob Bell was trying to get at with the brick wall idea. Remember he talked about a, there was a brick wall in Velvet Elvis? Like he talked about, oh, yeah. oh there's a yeah, brick yeah. wall and then there's like a trampoline with springs. That right. faith should be like you can you can actually take out a, a spring on a trampoline and you can still jump. Yeah, right, right, right. But if yeah. you got enough springs, then you're going to collapse. Mm -hmm. Or it was like the brick wall idea that he, he didn't like was if you remove a brick, then the whole brick wall comes falling down. Right. And I was always like, well, can I meet you halfway? Mm. <laughs> because like if you remove the Trinity or the divinity of Jesus. Right. That, that's, that's a kinda, brick wall that's, that's going to. That's a brick, yeah. It yeah. is going to. And mm -hmm. he and. He, he used his image was the virgin birth. Right. Do you remember right. that? Yeah. Mm -hmm, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, again, this is like interesting brick you picked. <laughs> like, right, right, right. You know, right. but like, I'm like, uh, so I'm, I guess the spring idea and the brick wall idea and the deck of cards idea, house of none cards. of, or sorry, house mm -hmm. of cards, none of those are helpful to me. What's helpful to me is the image of the house. So I feel like deconstruction is almost there, but I would say renovation you're, you you feel like this is taken out. Mm -hmm. Well, let's pause and let's see if that was crucial to the integrity of the home. Yeah, totally. I, I hear what you're saying, totally. I think it's funny because I feel like in a way I'm, I'm arguing what you're arguing is that I just don't think it's as simple as just right. changing our language to saying renovation. I think sure. an example I think is something that I've I've been in conversations with people lately on this is is how we understand scripture, right? And that's right. a big one. Obviously, that's a big conversation. We, you and I have talked a lot about it in different contexts and stuff. But, but again, for someone who has, let's say, been brought up in a in a in an environment where it's like you need to read everything literally, and you need to like this is God's word. Again, it's sort of a magic book approach. It's like when maybe you go to a, a class at Trinity or, you, or you're hearing maybe actually Pastor Matthew share something and it almost seems like he's saying like, that's more poetry than it is, you know, or, or whatever. And they're like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, then I think for people, like it actually, un it feels unnecessary and it feels um, sad or, and it feels like, oh, I hope this is okay. Like for, for someone, it actually really might feel like you are, my house is coming down all around me. And so I like the, I, I really like that image of, of renovation. So I'm not arguing with that. I think it's just like where it sounds like you're arguing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's making this podcast way longer. Okay, okay. okay Corey. Okay, so sorry. what's your point? I'm just kidding around. I'm joking. I, I think this is all really good. No, <laughs> um, no, I, I think what I'm just saying is that I feel like someone like that, it, whatever, maybe it's semantics. Cause I'm like, I don't know. Is this, is it helpful to be like, Hey, it's actually not deconstruction. It's reconstruction. And they're like, 
well, it really feels like deconstruction and it no, kind of, totally. you know, you know, so maybe yes. that's just what I'm pushing back on. That's true. It's a good point. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I feel like that was a really strong point. <laughs> it's a very strong point. Oh boy. Um, okay. All right. So one of the, uh, one of the things that, that I, um, I want to do now is move on to encouragement number two. Okay. Here's the deal. Yeah. Doubt can be good. What? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mic drop moment. <laughs> Doubt can be good, guys. You heard it first here. Yes. Um, no, I know. Like it's it's actually very trendy to talk about how cool doubt is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like faith isn't faith without doubt. Let's be honest. That's right. <laughs> um, I feel like the edgy Christian leader is yeah, like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. guys, guess what? Yeah. Doubt's actually <laughs> Got your really skinny cool. skinny jeans on. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I think doubt can be a a beautiful road to a deeper faith. So, so if encouragement number one was that we need to change our language, mm-hmm. um, I would say, uh, to talk about doubt, it can be, it can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because doubt can unlock the rich treasures of the Christian tradition. And, and, and I, I think as we doubt, um, it, it pushes us towards, I think some of the great thinkers in the Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. And I'm just listing some that have been great for me. Yep. Okay? This is not an exhaustive list. There are many other great thinkers. Um, but for me, a big one is GK Chesterton, right? Mm-hmm. So in some of my doubting on like, let's say the church itself or, uh, you know, orthodoxy itself, like it's been great to read Chesterton. Um, CS Lewis mm-hmm. has been huge. Uh, Augustine, Mm. Um, I'm currently reading the, the Jamie Smith book, uh, on the road with St. Augustine. Mm. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And, or N.T. Wright or Francis Collins or Alistair McGrath. These are all names of people that when I doubt, I'm kind of pushed, pushed to find the kind of some of the deep thinkers of the Christian faith. Um, now someone's listening to this is like, aren't, shouldn't you be pushed to scripture? Yes, <laughs> of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. So doubt does actually make me engage the scriptures in a deeper way. But I think when I'm looking for voices that are kind of pointing me like they're like good road signs that kind of say, Hey, this is a good road to follow, you know, keep going, keep going on the journey. It's doubt can push me to like maybe a deeper level of the Christian tradition. And, and actually I, I think it's encouraging. Um, and, and also sometimes doubt will push me to, to explore some of the, the, the bright movements of the Jesus people of history. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, the first thing that comes to mind are like the abolitionist movement, right? Like right. when we think about racial justice these days um, and the Black Lives Matter movement and all, and sometimes it can feel like, oh, the church, have we, have we always been behind on some of these things? And like, how have we approached this in the past? And I think the abolitionist movement um, is a really bright spot in the Christian mm-hmm. tradition and to totally. go, actually it was scripture itself and the love of God and the Imago Dei, the, you know, that, that pushed abolitionists into an anti-slavery um, posture. Yeah. Uh, and so, I don't know, it's like going, okay, when I doubt, it pushes me in a really good way. Totally. Yeah, I think that's great. And it's, I think, again, I, I feel like one of the things, and I know what you're saying about, it's funny because we, we do, we're laughing about doubt is, you know, the cool thing to talk about. But I, but I actually think it's, it's legitimate to say that it, like it is because mm. you look at if we're being honest in again in how we read scripture like it's filled with it's filled with good people who had had bouts of doubt 
oh, rhymes. Like, but in the Psalms, you, like it's all over the place in the Psalms, right? Like the laments, the like, God, why are you? Like, where are you? You wake up, like you know, why? Why do you stand far off? My enemies surround me. Like, it's like, well, that's that's kind of like doubt, right? And and we read it in, uh, you know, obviously the uh, like. Um, the story of Jesus and his disciples who are like, you know, like falling asleep or abandoning him or, you know, like yeah. Peter, you know, denying him. Like it's, those are, those are expressions of doubt, right? In a sense, because you're clearly, you know, someone like, you know, you don't, you don't abandon your leader if, if you know that he is the, the you know, God in flesh and who's going to, you know, like it's like clearly totally. like in those moments. So I think it's, I, th- I think you're right. And I think it, I think you're, it's very true that for me, when I've, when I've been like, oh, I don't know about that. And then you go and explore some of these, like the authors that you're talking about, same thing for me, like G.K. Chesterton or C.S. Lewis. It's like, oh, it can really open up. It can open up the curtains, you know, and suddenly yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, there's, there's, this is way, this is a way bigger house than I thought it was. Yeah. I just mixed up metaphors, but you know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> no, yeah, totally. yeah, totally. I, I definitely agree. Um, and I, I just, I want to say like, I think, I think that. Um, maybe a better image of the baby in the bathwater, which we talked about mm-hmm. <laughs> a number yeah, of months yeah, ago. Yeah. I, I like the image of eating ribs. Right. Yep. Barbecue ribs. Barbecue ribs. Enjoying the so delicious good. barbecue meat, but spitting out the bones. Right. Yeah. You know. Yep. And as we doubt, mm-hmm. and we go, hold on a second. Let's like let's like think deeply about this. Um, there's a lot of good here, and I'm going to savor the goodness. But like I'm this. Literally, if I swallow this bone, I will die. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right, like, yeah, yeah. Like I need to die. Th- like I, I need to. I need. I need to really be critical here, and I mm-hmm. need to enjoy the goodness. I need to spit out the bones, um, and so I feel like we need to be really good at, at devouring kind of the rich depths of our faith, um, and and learning to kind of doubt the right things, you know, and and to say, okay, this is, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. and I would say the bones are. Spitting out the bones are like unhealthy legalism, unhealthy views of God, unhelpful ways of reading scripture and interpreting right. scripture. These are all things that doubt actually makes us go, okay, that's a bone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Spit it out. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. And it pushes you. Totally. Um, but Corey, sometimes. <laughs> How'd you do that? We should doubt our doubts. Oh, Boom, didn't see that coming. Yeah, man, so good. (laughs) Whoa. Okay, doubt our doubts, all right. Well, I mean, I think that it's just a healthy way of going, okay, I've got these doubts. You know, I've got these doubts that I'm thinking, but maybe I should just doubt my doubts for a second. Hmm. Yeah. Which is a deeper layer of, what's that movie, Inception? Yeah. It's like a dream (laughs) within a dream? Yeah, yeah, a dream dream within a dream within a dream. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right, totally. That was such a good movie. It was so good. I love that movie. So like who thinks of those things? Anyways, it's so amazing, right? To like conceptualize that and then to bring it about into this amazing, yeah. It was incredible. Mind-blowing movie. I know. Yeah, it really was. I remember Josh Weeb was like so pumped yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. And he Josh. was like, I got to take you to a movie. And, he, and we went <laughs> and to the theater it, yeah, and we yeah. watched it together. Yeah. Oh. It was like the spinning top that like Yes, that was, that was kind of the uh, the litmus test, right? For are, Am I dreaming or is this reality? Yeah. Oh, intense. We gotta, that's a good rewatch. De- oh yeah, we watched it a few times. I remember that's really the thing. you're gonna see. You're gonna I've only watched it this. once. So here's what we, you know what's gonna happen though. Tell me. Here's what's gonna happen. A few years from now, your kids are gonna be like 12, 13, 14, and suddenly you're gonna be like, oh my goodness, guys, I have so many movies to show you. That's what happened for me. Seriously. <laughs> oh really? Like, oh yeah. My kids were like, so Isaac, I'm like, hey, he's 14. So can I? When can I show him Lord of the Rings? When can I show him? Like, yeah. I had all these Gladiator. I wanted to show him Gladiator. You know? And I'm like, yeah. what? How old does he have to be? It's like, ah, oh, it's kind of violent. It's kind of scary. You know? 
it's the best because you're like, there's so many great shows that I can't oh, wait yeah. to show you. Yeah, so. like uh, like a Clockwork Orange, <laughs> um, <Exactly. laughs> Misery. Yeah, yes, that's right. Um, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. What else, Matthew? That's right. <laughs> totally. Halloween's one, two, and three. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. I remember I was. Like when I was doing youth, I was like, okay, kids, like, like in Fight Club, what, when we blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> oh, I remember no. Marcus, Marcus Thiessen was like, uh, my person, let me watch that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oops, did I just reference Fight, yeah, Fight <laughs> yeah, Club? Anyway. That's right. Totally. Uh, really quickly. I know we have to keep going here, but, um, do you remember, uh, I am, I am legend. <laughs> That's a funny story. Matthew, Jeff, and I watched, maybe we've shared this before, but like we went into this, uh, the IMAX of all things to watch I am legend with Will Smith. And we were, we were all I was so, so scared. petrified. Yeah, I'm like, I had no idea what this movie was about. And now there's a guy walking into this warehouse, and these like zombies are like. I know. Oh, I was not man. expecting the zombies. I think it was like, Will Smith saves the world. That's yeah, all yeah, I yeah, knew yeah. about the movie. I was thinking it was like some action packed, whatever, like kind right. of a Bruce Willis. I'm dating myself, but you know, like a Die Hard kind of thing. You know. Yeah. And suddenly it was like, what is happening? Yeah, right the, do- now? the dog went into the oh, warehouse. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we didn't hear from the dog. No, no, it's right. Well, no, he was whimpering quietly because he was like, and it was, it was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. See, you're going to show your kids that one day? Ugh. 16, 17. I am legend. I will never uh, show them that movie. You could show them when they're 17 or 18, but you have to be like, and you know what the effects would be probably by then. We'll be like, oh, there's, the effects were so bad back then. You know, like, even though now it's still really good. But you know what's worse than what? I am legend? Huh. That rat story. <laughs> the rat story. Okay. It's not that bad. Okay, yeah. Okay. Let's keep, yeah. Anyway. Let's keep going. So we were back at doubting our doubts. Doubting our doubts. <laughs> yes. Okay. Doubting our doubts. Like I would say like if you get to the point in deconstruction or as I would like to call it, renovation. Yep. Then you would – and you start to go, I'm not even sure Jesus exists. Now, this might be a low-hanging fruit. I don't know how many people don't actually think Jesus exists. Right, right. But like if you get to that point, then we you go, okay, like I'm going to doubt my doubts and I'm going to go, actually, if I'm a good student of history, we actually have like several references of Jesus that are not in the scriptures. And so, you know, maybe someone's listening to this and they're they're wondering, did Jesus even exist? And I'm saying it's that is a good doubt to start doubting hmm. uh, because when you dive into history, um, let me just give you an example. Like I think um, you actually read four different moments when uh, there are references to Jesus in Roman history that are not in the Bible. Hmm, So one of those is the Jewish historian Josephus, Hmm. um, who according to Bart Ehrman, who, by the way, is a total skeptic in biblical studies, he says, quote, is far and away our best resource of information about the first century in Palestine. And Josephus mentions Jesus twice in his Hmm. Jewish antiquities, which is his massive 20-volume history of the Jewish people. And it's written around 93 AD, right? So this is like Hmm. one generation away from the life of Jesus. And Jesus is mentioned twice by Josephus. A Roman senator and historian Tacitus mentions Jesus. He said Jesus was, quote, put to death by Pontius Pilate, uh, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius, right? Mm -hmm. A Roman governor, Pliny the Younger, writes to Emperor Trajan about Jesus. Uh, A Roman historian named Suetonius references Jesus. So you have like these references to Jesus that are outside of the Bible. And and I feel like lots of people don't know this kind of thing. And like, I think when you dive into, if you start to doubt your doubts and go like, did Jesus even exist? Like that means you're starting to swing your sledgehammer around your house and starting to hit a load bearing wall. Hmm. Right. right, And going, Oh, hold on just a second. Like actually it seems like even Jewish historians, Roman historians would say that there was this man named Jesus. Now that, that doesn't solve all your issues. Right. Right. Then you have to, you know, but if we take, uh, the historical Jesus, seriously, 
um, then that that provides a bit of a foundation to kind of yeah, anyway. Yep, that's good. Helpful. No, I think I think it is helpful. It almost sounds like you're saying like like just like be responsible. Be a responsible person. Like if you're mm. if you like because I think that this idea I I would say too this idea is like what we think about when we think about God is the most important thing about us, right? Who is it that said that? Tozer. Tozer, yeah, yeah. So, and, and if there's any truth to that, and I think even people that aren't necessarily Christians would say that kind of seems like an important thing. Well, then it's like, hey, then do your homework. Like, but, and actually, but actually do your homework responsibly, right? So, so yeah, if you're starting to really question things, well, then like, then, then look into it, dig into it, and and go to people that you respect, and go to maybe you you ask the hard questions. Again, we're in a community where you can do that, and I think it's I think it's good. And again, I think we don't need to be. I think I would. I feel like I want to reiterate: we don't need to be afraid of asking questions. That's I think right. God is is really strong enough to handle our questions. Sometimes yes. it's almost like people are. I sometimes get the sense that people are like, no, no, well, you don't. You know, you don't mess with that. It's like, well. I'm not talking about messing with anything because it's going to exist whether you mess with it or not. But actually, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions that you thought you weren't allowed to ask. Yeah, so it's better to ask them out loud than to just internalize them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Uh, two more encouragements. Okay. Encouragement number three. Um, I would say question your motive for deconstruction. Hmm. Question why you're doing it. You could be. You could have that experience, like you mentioned, of a of a house of cards falling. Yeah. And somebody randomly said something to you or you bumped across some, you ran into something on the internet and you're like, oh my goodness. And now you're starting to think fair, right? Right. And now, you didn't even ask for this. Mm-hmm. This just hit you out of nowhere. Okay. But sometimes we might have a motive if we're honest with ourselves for deconstructing. Um, uh, I, Aldous Huxley, who was um, author of Brave New World. Um, I first heard about this from Tim Keller. Hmm. But he writes about the importance of the world not having meaning. So Aldous Huxley, I think as a young man, kind of walked away from faith. And according to Huxley, there's this meaninglessness in the world. And from his book, Ends and Means, he was actually quite honest about why he left the faith and why he he chose to believe that the world was meaningless hmm. or mm-hmm. there was meaninglessness to the world. So I just want to read a quote from him. He, he says this, quote, those who detect no meaning in the world generally do so because, for one reason or another, it suits their books that the world should be meaningless. For myself, as no doubt for most of my contemporaries, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. Hmm. So, so listen to that. He's like, this. it really was... It was helpful to believe the world was meaningless, was meaningless, or there was a meaninglessness in the world because it gave us liberation, specifically sexual liberation. Hmm. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. So God had to go. Right. And, and I, I'm actually like, like, Hey, at least Aldous Huxley was honest. Right. Sure. He he wanted to sleep around. Mm -hmm. And the idea of a God that had these moral categories it, it, it limited that. It was yeah. very inconvenient. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, okay, maybe now he had other reasons for not believing in God, but if he was honest, he said that deconstruction process in his life, if he was honest, he had an ulterior motive right. for wanting God not to be real. Um, and I think it's important that we're honest about our deconstruction. Yep. Totally. No, I'm with you on that. I think it's, I think that's, that's a good, 
it's a good uh, reminder for us. Like when we're like what? Yeah, it's funny because I feel like it's sometimes it can be hard to discern. Like, so that's an obvious one where it's like, you know, sexual freedom. It's like, okay, sure. Church is so old fashioned about sex, you know, and so I want to, um, but so I think the other, there's obviously it gets a bit more murky for many people probably, right? Where it's like, well, I have trouble, you know, like, so the God that I'm reading about or the God that I'm hearing about in church is starting to remind me of my angry father that, you know, that I am, I'm estranged from, you know, so I'm done, you know? And so it's like, okay, so. Like, again, I actually, I really appreciate, we both appreciate Bishop Robert Barron, um, who's a Catholic bishop, who who I recently, we were talking about that, and he, again, actually, I think you, this is the uh, a recent podcast that he did with an atheist, um, and he was just, again, so generous and gracious to him, and, yeah. and one of the things that he, again, that he said that I really appreciated was, like, he just kept agreeing with him on so many things. He's like, I think that was a really good point, and I agree with you about that. I agree with you. And he's like, I think that Christians should agree with what you just said. I think that's very true. You know, and he would he would just affirm a lot of the things that this guy was saying that sometimes Christians have, you know, promoted or have said, you know, like, this is how it works. And and I think Robert Barron is like, no, no, you're right. That's dumb. Like, that is yeah. dumb, and we should walk away from that. You know, that is something totally. that is worth demolishing let's say it's it's that wall that you're talking about yeah it's the it's the i don't believe in that god either exactly that's right that's right totally so i think i guess that's what i'm saying so i i do agree with you that it's like if it's if it's a shallow you know if it feels like a shallow, it's like oh i don't like the i don't like the idea of having to you know having to play by the rules or i don't like the idea of you know the you know the way that interferes with my sexual freedom Mm -hmm. or you know that's one thing but i think it it gets a little more complicated when you're like you know, I don't, I don't like this picture of God that I read about in the Old Testament. Well, suddenly that becomes a lot, that's a longer, more complex conversation, right? Mm-hmm. About, it's like, well, you Christians believe in genocide. Oh, okay, no, we don't believe in genocide. While you're in, you know, in the book of Joshua, you know, like there's those kinds of big conversations where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so, you know what I mean? It's just a bit more complicated than just saying it's your, your, your motivation may be correct at the start. Again, maybe it's the, the sure. problem, the problem is fair, the solution isn't necessarily. Yeah. I don't agree with you on this solution. So, yeah. That's right. And can I be, can I offer another moment of honesty? Like when, when I say be honest about the motive, mm-hmm. maybe this is not exactly the same idea, but I would say be honest about what you're feeling. Is it that you believe that this certain belief in Christianity is false or that you just don't like it? Right, right, right. So, so I would say actually those can go together, mm-hmm. but they can also, if we're honest, go, okay, why am, why do I, why am I pushing back hmm. with this certain teaching? You right. know, is it that I just don't like it? Um, or is it that it simply doesn't resonate as true in the sense of like, um, because I think if I don't like it, I don't want it to be true. That's true. Right. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. like if I don't like it, I hope it's not true. Right. Right. Yep, sure. But if we're honest, like if we're approaching this renovation of our faith, honestly, mm-hmm. that we'd say, actually, if, if I'm honest, um, that seems to, that truth seems to jive with the rest of the Christian tradition. Like it actually, it seems like it is true. Mm hmm. I don't love it. Well, then, okay, then you go on a different journey where you actually pursue the Lord in prayer, I think. Hmm. And you you dive into like prayers of, of wanting to trust Jesus and to see the goodness behind that teaching. Like, I know we talk a lot about sexuality, but like 
but let's say let's say somebody comes across like Jesus teachings on in the scriptures on let's say gay marriage or something or right. not Jesus teachings the the teachings, the teachings of scripture yeah, yeah. and they're like actually if I'm if I'm honest the scriptures actually do teach a conservative you know let's say somebody's on a journey and they're mm-hmm. like ugh like I can't bend the scriptures like they really are clear mm-hmm. now I don't like it yeah okay well now you're being honest <laughs> yeah yep. it's more like okay I don't like it. Well, that's a different journey to go on because then you're going to go, okay, I'm going to, I, I'm still a Christian. <laughs> I trust the Lord. And now I just need to like come to him with lament right? and say, yeah. Lord, if I'm attracted to the same gender, are you telling me I can never marry someone from my own gender? Or, you know, mm-hmm. like if I'm a man, I can never marry a man. I come to you with lament and I just go, Lord, why, why? Like, you know, and then, and then you actually more get into the Psalms, right? Of like, mm-hmm. why Lord? And like, and you lean on community and you, and you go through this and then you're processing more just the emotions of not liking it mm-hmm. versus conflating the two. And yeah, I know that they do go together at times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Do you think this is a little side question about that? Like, do you think, do you think it's legitimate to say, there are some things perhaps like I'll, I'll play my, my cards or I think it is legitimate sometimes to say there are some things about the way God has designed the world that I don't like. I don't like, and I don't know that I'll ever really like until eternity. I, I bet you in eternity, God is going to, I'm going to meet with him and God's hmm. going to be like, um, let me, let me walk you through this, <laughs> you know, whatever he'll, yeah, right. but like, I guess I, like, I actually personally feel comfortable with that sometimes. And even when we've talked about like, you know, whether it is the LGBTQ, you have friends that are close to you that are like, you see it and it's like, oh, like, it's like, well, maybe I don't actually, I, I don't totally understand why I don't, but I trust my father. Like I trust mm-hmm. that he's good. I do trust right. that he knows way more than I will ever know. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm choosing to trust him on this one. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that would be a healthy, like you think about a kid growing up in a home where the father is totally. wise and good and still makes decisions that you're like, oh, I wish, like, I wish that wasn't the case, but, but I'm choosing to say, okay, I trust yeah. you. You know what I mean? Exactly. Hmm. No, okay. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And yeah. I yeah. think that's. It's okay. It's not like it's, I think sometimes we want to be like where it's, I, yeah, I, I think I've thought about that because sometimes it's like, well, the ideal story is like, well, you just come around and you're like, oh, I see why this is so excellent. I, I sometimes think, well, there'll be probably some things that might take a lot longer, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. it'll be in eternity when we finally have eyes to see the way he sees you right. know, fully. And yeah. What about love your enemies? Right. Oh, do you, totally. do you like that? Have you ever oh, liked that? No. I've never liked yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's very true. I, I, mean, I like it. I like it until I have an enemy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't think I don't think there I yeah, so. That's right. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Moving on our fourth and final uh number, uh number 4 here. Yeah. Um I would say honestly, if I'm sitting down with you and I'm saying you're going through a period of deconstruction, which I would call renovation, <laughs> um I would say focus on Jesus. Like spend lots of time with Jesus. So uh, our faith is anchored in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and his teachings. So if you're having trouble with some of Paul's teachings on women in ministry, I would say spend lots of time with Jesus. If you're having trouble with the age of the earth, six-day creation, millions of years, whatever, billions of years, hang out with Jesus. If you're having trouble with like evangelicals and their politics these days, spend time with Jesus. If you're having trouble with the legacy of Christians when it comes to how we've treated, you know, the First Nations community or the black community or the LGBTQ community, hang out with Jesus. I I honestly believe that um, coming back to him and refocusing and saying, okay, his life, his death, his resurrection, his teachings, 
you know, you go back to the core there. Now, I'm not trying to pit Jesus against the Old Testament or Jesus against Paul or something like that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying, mm-hmm. I think as you just come back to Jesus and you just hear the melody that God is singing in the world, mm-hmm. you know, when you, mm-hmm. when you see Jesus and you're just like, ah, oh, right, that's, that's, that's it right there. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing, <laughs> you know? And, um, and so, uh, you know, it's just like, I feel like it's very easily to become immersed in the thing that offends us mm-hmm. in the scriptures that we miss the forest from, for the trees. So I would just encourage you, you're sitting there. I can just imagine someone comes to my office and they're just feeling like, like mm-hmm. age of the earth or like Paul or like, mm-hmm. I don't know, violence in the old Testament. And I'm like, okay, just, just, just don't miss the forest for the trees. Like, you know, maybe this is a season for you. Maybe the Holy spirit wants you to, to question these bad views or these unhelpful views or these misguided views that you've had about faith. Maybe the Holy spirit wants you to get rid of it, like an Americanized version of faith or a Canadianized version of faith or some nationalized version of faith. You know, maybe this is actually good, a good season. Um, but I think maybe the Holy spirit wants you to spend lots of time with Jesus to kind of recalibrate, breathe fresh air, get renovated in the faith that you have, just hang out with him um, and yeah, that's, that would be my encouragement. Mm-hmm. And you're not saying, I don't think what you're saying is bury your head in the sand. Like, you know, cause mm-hmm. I think so that can be the temptation maybe, right? It's like, I don't like this. I don't no. like this. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna spend time with Jesus. And that's, you know, almost like more of like a running away from actually grappling with some of these things that are actually worth grappling with. Yes. But you're saying when you're, when you're feeling overwhelmed and bewildered by all these big dilemmas, it's like, Hey, don't forget. Maybe it's like the priority or the core of our faith is Jesus. So yes. make sure you're rooted there. Like your roots are deep in Jesus. Yes. And maybe, and maybe I'm just I'm putting words in your mouth. And maybe actually out of that time, you maybe you'll come out of that season where it's like actually I've I've got new convictions about some of these things that I used to be really bewildered about, and now I feel a lot now that my roots are really deep in Jesus. I feel like I understand this better, you know, or whatever. Yes. And you come out of that, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me so much of. Do you remember Malcolm Muggeridge? Yeah. 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 Like, uh, he was like a BBC, uh, journalist. Yeah. I mean, I used to really love, I, I actually read like four or five of his books and I, I really loved his stuff. And, um, he became, so he was an atheist. He became a Christian through mother Teresa. He had a relationship, like a friendship oh, with mother right. Teresa. And he, yeah. and he wrote a, if you ever, by the way, people out there, like if you ever want a really beautiful little book, there's a book that he wrote called something beautiful for God. Hmm. And it's all about, um, his, uh, I believe it's been years since I read, it, but his conversion experience through the influence of Mother Teresa. And he was supposed to put this documentary together and uh, on Mother Teresa. And he was like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't even believe what she believes. And, but it was through that whole friendship. But anyways, there's just a scene at the end of the book, and I, I don't want to misquote this, but I remember him, he had talked to her about, like, he was just kind of like what you're saying. He was ranting and raving about, like, the, the problems with Christianity and the church and the corrupt, you know, like, church and money and sex and all these, like, you know. And he just was like, he just remembers, like, walking with her. Uh, and, just, and she's just listening and... And then she wrote him like a little uh, a little letter that he discovered later on, and it was and it was just this beautiful little um, you can just imagine like this little Mother Teresa writing it. It was something like, "Oh Malcolm, like you know your your troubles are so your troubles. I I hear you have a lot of troubles, you know, and like they're something about like they're they're actually very small in the in the in the bigger picture of God's love for you and His creation, and and Jesus wants you to know that you're you're not alone and that you're like it's just this beautiful gospel message of like you are so loved by the Father and by you know Jesus is uh-huh. wants to draw near and he just like he was just so moved he actually he actually puts the letter in this book he's so moved by 
by the fact that she just kind of like almost like circumvented all the this, all the stuff that he's like arguing about. She's like, hey, you need to know God. God is with you and he loves you so much. And and it had this huge impact on him. And wow. he ended up giving his life to Christ. Yeah. Wow. So it kind of reminds me what you're saying a little bit. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, that's such a cool story. That's I never great, heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, So as we kind of round the end of our our final for our final lap here marathon yeah <laughs> marathon it's <laughs> good um i i just want to say in my my own story um so i told you at the very beginning um just about my friend at trinity and so when i was at trinity i felt some of this happen and i felt a real renovation mm-hmm. happening in my life um uh and and i i ran into these questions doing biblical studies at trinity with with uh, the earth not being you know, maybe created in six days. And what mm-hmm. do I do with that? Um, what if the earth is older? How do I process that? Um, mm-hmm. The flood story, right? Having these parallels with Mesopotamian creation myths like Enuma Elish or the Gilgamesh epic. And I remember hearing in the class that Isaiah may have had multiple authors, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like three or four authors that that wrote the book of Isaiah or Job, I remember Job may not have been a real person in history, right? That right, it was right. These wisdom, this collection of wisdom, and Job may not have been a real person. And these kind of were coming out of the biblical studies department at Trinity. And I, and I, and I just remember, like, it just, it rocks your world. Yes. You yeah. know, and, and it's funny, like, I, I remember being like 20 years old and sitting in these classes. And I remember thinking, but I know that my professor goes to the, you know, St. Matthew's Anglican, or I know my professor goes to some church down the road or mm-hmm. whatever it was. And I'm like, he still believes like, so I remember thinking like, is this not shattering their faith? It's, apparently it doesn't mm. shatter their faith. Right. And I, I remember thinking like, Oh, faith, it was the smallest little thing, but it was actually encouraging to me. I was like, Oh, faith must be able to survive yeah. without this. Right. Right. Because right. I know he is a Christian and, mm-hmm. and actually it helped me through it to kind of go, okay, I think there's faith on the other end of some of this stuff. And, um, you know, well, I, I felt like that was God's grace holding me, mm-hmm. um, through some of those questions, especially when my, one of my best friends is yeah, l- yeah. losing mm-hmm. his faith. Um, but I also think like me being involved in evangelism and, and this ministry called Drime and, and sharing my faith every weekend and, mm-hmm. and it kept me on my toes and it kept me in ministry. And I remember actually serving the youth here at North Langley, actually, I was a volunteer. Jeff was the youth pastor and I was serving and, mm-hmm. and you know, serving helped me. But I just wanted to say like that, that did feel like an A-bomb went off in my life mm. in the biblical studies department Yeah, because I wasn't raised to think these thoughts. Right. Yeah. So I get it. But I, I do think that then when I went to Regent College, I remember having like a robust, it felt like it all became more clear. And I ran into all these professors that were deep, deep thinkers that knew all this, but like had profound faith in Jesus yes, and a yeah. love for Jesus. And I, and I think being at Regent was really helpful for me to see it, um, an intellectual tradition match a, a vibrant faith in Christ. Mm. And so Regent was really helpful in that way. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And I feel like it's, I feel like what can happen out of those, cause you're right. I think that it can be handled you know, it, it probably can be handled poorly uh, in terms of dropping atom bombs on people's face. You know, like if it's if there's no kind of care um, in the background for that, it can be as you as your friend experienced. You know, for whatever reason, and whatever it's it's always a bit of a crapshoot. It's not like you know for sure that someone's going to walk away, but walk away still strong in their faith. But I do think what can happen is, I think you can walk away with a much richer, more vibrant faith filled with 
all sorts of new colors that actually weren't there before. Like it, I guess I feel like it seems to me that that God, ex- he just as we, it's, it seems funny to say, God excels in in taking taking um, a mess and and let's say like a deconstructed faith or a he excels at taking that and turning it into something much more beautiful mm. than actually could ever have been unless you had gone through all this other stuff, right? I'm not saying that Sorry. I believe that God causes destruction or whatever, like, you know, that's a different conversation. But but I do believe fully that God loves to take the mess of our lives and actually turn it into something even more beautiful than would have been possible if it weren't for that mess. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so I, he's done that in my life for sure. I feel like my faith has so many new colors that that I, I just could never have had if I unless I had to walk through some of these doubts and some of the wrestling and some of the, the reconstruction or the renovation, as you say, you know? And it did feel like deconstruction. Sometimes at the time, for sure, but yeah, go with your theme on renovation. Anyways, I just I think that's I think it can be a really beautiful end of the story or continuation of the story. You know, if if we can maybe keep some of these ideas in our, you know, in our as part of our reality in terms of our continuing to pursue God, continuing to question our doubts, and all these things that we've talked about. Totally, totally. Um, when it, when when I was doing some research on this, I came across uh, an amazing C.S. Lewis article on the incarnation as as iconoclast. So let me just read this. Um, Lewis writes this. Oh, and by the way, an iconoclast is a person who attacks cherished beliefs or mm-hmm. someone who destroys images in worship. Mm-hmm. So he he writes this. He says, "Quote: My idea of God is not a divine idea. It is it has to be shattered time after time. He shatters it himself. He's the great iconoclast." Could we not almost say that this shattering is one of the marks of his presence? The incarnation is the supreme example. It leaves all previous ideas of the Messiah in ruins. Hmm. What what he's saying is that when Jesus shows up, he destroys any view of God we ever had. Hmm. He he is God in the flesh. And so he's the great iconoclast. So when I look at Jesus, I see what God is like. And he is happy to demolish any idea of God that doesn't look like him, you know? And, and I think that's cool. That's Jesus is, is ready to tear down some walls that are mm-hmm. not load bearing walls yeah. and get rid of that stuff. So I really like that. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, let me just end here with an encouragement from Jude. Um, Jude verse 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. That's a good hmm. scripture that's memory a good, verse. Yeah, that's a good word for us. That's right. <laughs> Be merciful to those who doubt. Um, and and I just love that image in the prodigal son of the father who listens to the older son just vent, hmm. right? He just listens to the older son. And this is something I learned in counseling, you know, a couple months ago. And I think yeah, I shared yeah. it with the church. But, um, you know, the the older brother or the older son just looks at the father and just, just vents. Mm-hmm. And, and the father listens. He yeah. listens. Yeah, and so... You should just for context. I always yeah. feel like it, maybe like you know he's venting because the father's shown so much mercy and welcome to this his wayward younger brother, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Who's yeah, and he's yeah, he's like I don't get this. I've been I've been serving you for years. I've been doing everything right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think like when we're in renovation or deconstruction mode, whatever you want to call it, it, it sometimes we just have so much in our heart, mm. and I feel like pouring it out to the Lord. He he'll listen. He's a listener and. Mm-hmm. Um, and he welcomes it. Totally. You know, I think the father and the prodigal son welcomes this, yeah. his older, his older brother. Yeah. He comes out to him, right? He leaves the party yeah. to come out to him. Yeah. And, yeah. and to listen to him. Yeah. Totally. Hmm. That's yeah. That's really good. All right, guys. Okay. Well, I want to end with a doxology. Yes. Um, it's Praise the end of... God. Oh, no. Oh, not that one. I thought you meant, 
totally misunderstood. Um, I love this last, these last lines from the book of Jude. Hmm. Um, uh, we want to end with these words. Uh, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. That's good. North Langley, we love you. Have an awesome week. We'll chat soon.